Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Matt Newton is a successful TV and film actor, award-winning filmmaker, best-selling author, celebrity acting coach, and the founder of the acclaimed MN Acting Studio in New York City and Connecticut. As an on-set coach, Matt has worked on Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, Blue Bloods, Jessica Jones, The Affair, and Orange is the New Black. Matt's recent book, The No BS Guide to the Acting Biz, was listed by Forbes magazine as top five must-read books of today's uncertain market and is available on Amazon. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Yay. So we always start with this bigger question, Matt. Mm -hmm. Um, What is currently inspiring you? And I know it's a big question, so feel free. It can be anything and everything. Um, Because I spend so much time um, teaching and thinking about acting as part of my job, what I tend to do when I'm sort of off the clock is is watch documentaries or or shows that I love, which still obviously is connected to the art. Um, So right now I'm reading Nomadland because I just watched the movie and it's amazing. And I'm so interested in this this world of people sort of giving up everything, like kind of like into the wild style um, and living off of nothing and not dealing with rent and mortgages and everything and simplifying. And so the book is very thorough. It's a journalist follows these very real people around um, and which is what um, Prince McDormand played in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fascinating. And so I'm doing that. And I'm, I rewatched a teacher with Kate Mara on Hulu Um I watch true crime documentaries a lot, as you know, from class, because I talk about that a lot. So I am uh, heavily inspired um, by this other world of letting go of attachment, something I think about a lot. I've always thought about. I went to survival camp for a week about 10 years ago (laughs) in Oregon, in the mountains, where they throw you out in the woods and make you figure it out. Uh, I went to Europe for 10 days by myself when I was moving from New York to LA because I wanted to drop myself in four different cities, Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin, and Prague for three days each with no sense of anything, not, not where I'm going, not what, uh, not the language, um, not what the signs mean. And so just figuring it out. This was pre-iPhone GPS and all that. So it really was <laughs> opening yeah. up a map. And uh, so that, that inspires me. So any kind of fuel I have for that fire is, is what I do on my off time. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, yeah, talk, it, it actually reminds me of some of the things that you talk about in class of just kind of jumping into the unknown and just kind of saying, F it and like, let's go with it and see what happens. It's really cool mm-hmm. to hear how that translates into your into your life outside of the studio 
Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing how many parallels there are between real life and our world as actors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what you said is really cool. Like, it, it makes me think about how this last year, because, you know, it's March, so it's been about a year of this pandemic and you're talking about simplicity and all of that and just how like we're sort of trying or some of us are at least to get back to that and also how us we as human beings are so much more resilient than we actually think like a lot of the things you're talking about that you did are really mind blowing like oh my goodness how could you do that but actually um you know survival camp all these things that actually te- probably taught you a lot about yourself and what you're able to do oh yeah i i was interested in in the other side of of everything, meaning just attachment. And, you know, it, it's funny, we talk about nerves and in, in our acting classes a lot. And, you know, I say, well, what are you nervous about? What's this really about? Like, why do you care if you get this? Is it a money thing, agent thing? And it's just, it's the same exact um, feeling that sort of like, a very scared fight or flight feeling that someone might feel if they were being attacked by a bear or something. I mean, it's, but then you think about it, you're like, it's just a silly, it's like a one line audition, who cares? But the say it's the same exact thing that it does to your mind. And so when you kind of rationalize your way through it, um, I had a, like a life coach do this with me for a while when I was an actor, like a therapist life coach, every week I'd meet him and we talk through things extensively. And then I go, God, I'm so crazy worrying about this stuff. Like, because it doesn't match what the reality is. So yeah, the pandemic's bringing that on a lot. I, I've been working with a lot of people lately who are feeling more nervous and more of a fraud in the business than ever because they have not had a chance to work out the muscles, audition as much as they like, um, haven't gotten a job in a while, and they are feeling it hard, intensely. So when we work together, I feel it in the in the work itself. And that's the thing you want to like push aside because that's not relevant to the character that they're portraying. So I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it does apply to, to, to the things we're talking about, especially now more than ever, where everyone is trying to say, what do I need? What do I not need? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes me think of a question that's sort of off our, what we've prepared, but um <laughs> How do you deal with that when you're working with actors who are obviously really capable, really accomplished, and they have just these demons and these things going on in their head that are getting in the way of the work? As a coach, how do you handle that? Um, I was them. I was an actor for 15 years professionally and worked. So I completely understand and I dealt with anxiety. So to be on this side of it and see things from this perspective, the perspective being, I spend 50 hours a week coaching and most actors spend minutes a week tops, like acting, uh, as opposed to dancers, athletes, so whatever, eight hours a day practice rehearsal, something. So actors will consistently feel uh, less than, unless they're working it out in a class, but even that's not enough time, or they're on a set a, a lot more, but that's not always the case. So uh, you know, there's a few ways to go about it. There's um, perspective discussions. There's um, talk about music being inf- influential to calming down. Uh, music's a very powerful thing for me, like a character playlist or even 
a personal playlist. Like I used to listen to Meditation Oasis on the subway. They have eight to 10 minute episodes and you could put it on on a subway ride and it would just calm you down. So by the time you got to the audition, you were calm. So now we're sitting in front of computers waiting to be brought in. So, you know, you could potentially be sitting here listening to this music before kicking into the, uh, into the room to audition, you know, some other people, um, uh, you know, might require a beta blocker of some kind so that they can at least allow the thing they're meant to do, um, to come through because I think nerves only prevent you from doing the thing that you're good at, obviously some people more than others. So I know that when I'm working with someone and trying to get a result for a tape, I can, in that short amount of time, um, do all the tricks to get them to feel comfortable. Like, but in general, overall anxiety between auditions, or you have an audition coming up a week from today and every day leading up to it, the tension builds and the anxiety builds. Um, you know, the ways to deflect that are all of the things are, are, are finding other things to do besides obsessing about the script are, thinking through the the rational thoughts or the irrational thoughts and just dissolving it it's it's almost like just constantly piercing the the bubble or the balloon that starts to grow so that you can just sit there and be creative um i spend a lot of time seeing actors stiffen up because of nerves and so that's not what they're looking for in the in the character so you're either an expert at managing nerves and you know all the tricks to like, even if you're freaking out to like on the surface seem like you're fine or you're someone who shows it all and your eyes widen and you blink a lot and you, and you sway. And those are very real things that we can talk about in a Zoom class that if you only know that you do those three things and you can tamper that down, you will seem more confident, you'll feel more confident you'll be more grounded in the scene. I mean, it's just tricks. It's like just knowing yourself really well. Like, what do I do when I'm nervous? Oh, I start to look away and avert my eyes. All right, well, don't do that in this character. And you just, you can literally isolate it instead of an overall feeling of nerves. It's this, this, and this. Wow. Thank you so much for that answer. I also felt personally called out by all of the examples you gave. (laughs) Uh-huh. You, me, everybody. Everybody. I mean, what do you, you know. Seriously, totally. I used to be such a mess. I just knew, like, little, little things. Like, if you hold something heavier in your hand behind your sides, your hands won't shake. So, huh? like, you could put a book um, behind your script. There's something, I, it's just so basic. And if you're someone who, and I know this is a podcast, you can't see what I'm doing. But, you know, if you're someone who's handshaking when you're not nervous, you're just one of those people. And then you see yourself doing you're like, Oh, my God, my hands are shaking. You just do this, it grounds it enough, then you don't feel like they think you're nervous, and you're cool. Like, it's like one thing to do in the frame, or in the room that grounds you amongst the million other things. But that's the first one and the easiest one. The rest is mindset, the rest, you know, music, whatever. But that one is the in the moment thing to do to calm it all down. You just don't want them to see you sweat. You know, you can't be shaking your sides like that when you're auditioning for one line opposite Tom Selleck or whoever. They'll just they won't feel like you're ready. That's even if you know you are this that visual, that psychological thing will make them think that there's no way they can put you in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, that really makes sense. And it aligns with so many things that we talk about in class. It it makes me think of like 
in some strange way, I feel like we're very fortunate to be doing everything now kind of on Zoom and virtually auditions, callbacks, class, because it's now it's like reclaiming ownership of our space and being like, this is my chair, my room. You know, I get to do whatever I need to do to make myself feel comfortable in this situation. Um so yeah, if it means like holding a book behind your sides or like finding something to do with your hands in a scene so you're not like Wah, shaking and nervous. Yeah, it's your it's your space to do that. Casting can't see what you're doing behind your like little 13-inch computer frame. Yeah, but you miss the feeling of someone in the room who comes in, yeah. you know, walking in with confidence and right. and really shows you how it's supposed to be done. Right now it's like I had a kid yesterday uh, screen test for a show that's already committed for a, a very long cycle and it's a kid. And he was coming in the waiting room doing a screen test, coming in and out of the waiting room. They were like, okay, you go out now. We're going to talk about you and come back in. But mm. every time you come in, you're here. You're just like right here, torso. That's it. Yeah. So you're, there's no feeling of like, and sometimes it's a good thing. There's no feeling of walking in nervous, avoid eye contact, like, you know, trying to calm yourself down. There's a little bit it can be too calm this way too. That's the other thing. It's too mm. in your face. So yeah, I think actors are better in this environment because they are more relaxed and can play with whatever's around them on the desk. They can lean their hands up here. They can do this. All the stuff we do in class, you can put their legs up on the desk that you really wouldn't do in the room. Yeah. So people are being a little bolder about it, yeah. um, which is can be great. But also people, because this is like, this is a nice office chair. I'm sitting in very comfortable. It can also dilute energy mm. and uh you lose that thing of like i'm sitting up in the chair and I, i'm i'm ready to go here so i i don't know it's like always uh fine-tuning that yeah every week right yeah. it, it reminds me of what you've talked about before this idea of dials like dialing either up or down like whatever that energy is that you're coming in with and depending on what the project is if you feel like maybe you're like kind of sunken back in your chair and like that can be nerves and tension in a form of itself, but maybe it's a matter of just kind of dialing that energy up and sitting up in the chair. And, but what I really noticed is it takes a, it takes a kind of strong voice and like friendly voice too, which is something I always appreciate about you and your class. Like, here's what's going on, right? Here's what I'm noticing. And it's never like mean or judgmental. It's like very matter of fact. And then you fix it and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is something to be aware of going forward. But it's also a reminder of like, I know what I'm doing. It's just this one or two things I need to keep in mind. Well, it's like know yourself, right? So yeah. I, it's almost like I'm just shining a spotlight on a thing that you're doing that you should then go off and look at yourself and then make those three adjustments for the next class because you noticed you do these things and it's not what you felt was happening in that moment. Right. You thought you were being emotional, but your eyes were too low and we didn't see it or, or something like that. And then you go open eyes wider next time or make sure you see the lens out of the corner of your eye. Like that's how you get better. And you're so good at like every week, Lauren, you, you take the notes and you come stronger the next week and you just are following there's not even steps, but you're just paying attention. Like I see that from you. I, it's Thank it's you. why you're getting work. You're just you're you're paying attention to what you're leading with, and what is getting in the way. And you're saying, I don't need this baggage. Put it over here. Right. It's when I think it's when people don't pay attention. They're not really watching the video. They're not really isolating the things that they're doing. 
mm. or not doing, uh, that you just, it, it's going to take longer. You right. know, you, it right. should be growing every week. Otherwise, what's class four? Right. You know? I truly thank you for saying that. And it's true. yeah, I mean, I will, I will shout it out to the mountains here. Like Matt Newton's class, I'm the master audition on camera audition class on Mondays is a truly wonderful group. Um, but it's also just a wonderful class in terms of challenging and growing and stretching. And I think it's, it's just so important to, to have a place to feel safe to do that. And I feel like you and your studio and I'm sure all the teachers at the studio are creating that environment, which is so cool. Are they Alyssa? <laughs> I'm not currently in class, but I have, oh, okay. I've loved, I loved studying with, with Van and with Katie. Um, Van, I miss so much. Yeah, they're both great. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. He's just the best. Yeah. It's a tangent on yours real quick, Lauren. You know, the only way to get better is to mess up horribly. Mm. And if you're worried about it being right, you don't ever mess up. You just nervously tiptoe into it. And then really it's a long road to get better. But if you go in big Mm -hmm. and then fall hard and then, and almost embarrass yourself a little bit, that's the only way you go. That's, that's where that limit is right there on that emotional scene or whatever it is. But that's how, I mean, the stuff I had to do in acting classes or (laughs) that I was not afraid to do, um, it is is exactly why I can comfortably say I'm not good at that. I can do this well. I know where that dial is. I'm not sure about that dial. You know, like I could never cry on cue. I know that. I've tried. I've done all the exercises. It doesn't work. I need the cry stick. I've asked for it on set and no one cares. Like they're like, whatever, sure. And so some people, they can say the first word in a scene and they're in tears. Like, I don't know how they do it. They're not even really, they haven't even had time to build a backstory. They just can hit it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean they're a better actor. It just means weak spots and things you want to work on, you don't want to work on. You know, you're, you're a multi-cam person, Lerner. That's where you started. I never was. Mm-hmm. Never. Never booked a single job in multi-cams. Always auditioned for them. Pilots, everything. It's not a world I spent a lot of time trying to get right. Because I, I didn't understand the logistics and the technicalities of it. I just thought funny. So I would do like a version of funny that isn't appropriate for that kind of thing, at least traditional mm. multicams. Like I'm talking 15 years ago, back when it was like the thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, I've decided that's okay. Like I don't have to be good at everything and neither do you. I like to yeah. see if you can handle all the things, but then you can say, I don't like doing that and I don't want to learn any more about that, but it's good to know that I'm, that that is a struggle for me. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 You never know unless you try and and fail or try and learn something in the process. There's no job on the line. There's no money on the line. It's just class. We're just on a computer. Who cares? Yeah. Right. You don't lose anyone's respect. You don't lose anything. Like there's nothing to lose but people feel like there's everything to lose when they have one, a one word audition. Oh, right. Yes. We've all been there. It's like, you think this is everything, that one word. <laughs> and, and it's not, that's the truth. Yeah. It's so true. I completely agree with everything you said. And um, I recently had a similar experience with the multicam thing where I was like, wait a minute, that is not a world I will ever be in. <laughs> but um what this really brings me to is, you know, you obviously have had 
this amazing career as an actor. I was so excited when I saw you on Royal Pains. I texted Lauren immediately. Uh, <laughs> she did. That's the guy. Um, <laughs> that was my last, that would have been my last acting job ever before I called my agents and said, thank you. We're good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I want to hear that story. Like I want to hear, sure. you know, you were on, you had this incredible acting career. You have this incredible acting career. And then you not only decided to start coaching, but you have a whole studio. So please just share with me and with your listeners, like, what is that story? Um, because I was, I was, uh, always repped and always had agents since day one. I went between four agencies in my career, uh, Endeavor before it was William Morris Endeavor hip hop me along with Lee Daniels, obviously mm-hmm. big showrunner now used to be a manager. And then I moved to innovative and Vanguard was my manager. And then I went to a three artists, which was Abrams. And then I went to leading artists. So those were the, that's the tra- trajectory of agencies. And then I was bi-coastal. I started in LA, moved to New York, missed being on the East Coast, easy transition. I was bored and anxious all the time. I was always like, more needs to be happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, it's, it, you know, I worked, but I had also had three side jobs. I was walking dogs. I worked at a gym. I mean, I was doing everything in LA. It, it, it was boring to me to not have any control over it. Even if I, you know, I knew it was pretty good. I felt com- confident in that. I'm um, not too confident because I, w- I didn't work enough to feel too confident. But then I was always feeling like I was missing something. So I remember I was living with a girl at the time, not not the same person I married. And she, w- she knew I was anxious. So she was like, what else do you want to do to keep yourself occupied? Because I didn't have anything besides the side jobs. I didn't like to be occupied. Because you know, time breeds demons, right? Like if you're sitting around thinking all day, especially during a pandemic, it breeds all the anxiety we've been talking about. Uh, I said, real estate coach, or I said, no, real estate, not real estate coach, real estate or coaching actors, question mark. Like it was that kind of discussion. And then I was like, maybe personal trainer, because I've thought about that before and get the weekend certificate kind of thing. And then I just, you know, I put an ad on backstage saying I'm offering coaching only because I've been on sets and can talk about that. Like, it wasn't like I can teach you this better than anybody. It was like, I have things to say. And then everyone started emailing and I would meet every person at Starbucks for a consult. Half the time they wouldn't show up. I was in (laughs) Brooklyn Heights out of my one bedroom apartment at this point living with a different girl. So I was like, you got to go in the other room. I'm coaching someone, right? Uh, <laughs> and then I, you know, I'd mix it between auditions. And at this point, it was a lot of VO auditions, which never happened in your house. They happened at every studio in the city. You actually had to go around the city all day. I missed those for days. nothing. No, I never booked. Oh I booked like gosh. three. Same with uh, on-camera commercials. I booked like three in my life. I just was like, what am I doing? I'm saying no to people who are... At, you know, often pay me 50 bucks for an hour. My rate was super low. And, uh, and I would rather be at home, like helping yeah. someone else get a job. And it was kind of casual. And then um, it turned into someone told me I should do a class. I have enough private students to say, do you guys want to do like a group? And I rented rooms at Ripley Greer, like one night a week. And we go in the rooms and be super sweaty. And we'd be like, can you turn the AC on? Can you, is the AC fixed in here now? Like it was crazy and i'd set up my tv <laughs> and step over people's legs who are at open calls in the ripley hallway Gosh. and with my big tv 
And then um, it became two classes, three classes, four classes. And then it became me doing privates at Ripley and, and paying Ripley Greer at that point must've been 2000 a month. Um, and I was like, maybe I should just have a space like where I keep my stuff and I don't have to put it in storage and take it out. So I called the realtor it's right after I got in an argument with the person next door to me at Ripley Greer because they left their door open and they were blasting music. And oh. I was trying to do our tiny little criminal minds, drama scenes, quiet, quiet scenes. And they wouldn't do it. And I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't with this anymore. So found a spot, was terrified five months security deposit on a commercial real estate in New York, still the same. Uh, And, but I can leave my tripod there. And all that I needed was one room with 10 fold up chairs. And that's never, since that has never changed. Like, you know, that it's always been the same. So it was that. And then people started calling a lot more. And then I got uh, asked if I coached kids because innovative, they knew me, they knew my sister, you coach kids. I said, sure. And I, I hadn't. Coached a kid, almost got a job. That kid was on Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods looking for a new coach. Hey, Matt, would you? Four years later. And then more shows and then three more studios, like changing to get bigger ones. And um, somewhere in there, pretty at the early part, calling my agent said, thank you so much. Um, I'm good. Like, don't, you don't worry. Don't worry about pitching me. I don't like, I'm doing the coach. They knew I was coaching. They would come in and speak. They were so appreciative. They were like, thank you for your honesty because you, you know, we don't want to sit here and push you for something you don't want. Mm. And it was very hard to get past this initial feeling of failure. And then it turned very quickly into the coaching resume was out doing the acting resume. So it became like, this is just what I do. It wasn't actor who sort of does that. It was this. And uh, it's funny because the acting stuff is kind of a side anecdote now. It really is. Like sometimes it comes up in class. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that back in the day. Um, That informs the things we're talking about. Like you just worked with the same showrunner, Lauren, as I did on Gilmore Girls. And that's crazy to me that I can say it was like this. And uh, it it was one of the craziest experiences. And that's amazing to me. I get a lot more joy. Sorry, Alyssa, this is a long answer. A lot more joy. (laughs) out of watching people get close to jobs or nailing, even just nailing a tape, like knowing that they're capable of doing that, whether they get it or not, than any time I ever felt when I got a job. I get a job and be scared. I'd be like, oh, I got to go do the job now. Getting the job and the phone call was awesome. Doing the job, never fun for me, mm. especially Royal Pains. That's why you mentioned that. I was like, that was a camera move that scared me. It was, <laughs> it was a camera coming down and landing on the oxy discussion and again at this point i've been on a lot of sets so it shouldn't phase me but it did mm. and you know uh mark forstein was like doing jumping jacks so there he's really into it and i was just sitting there and i kept doing these different things like with my hands like i don't know i like oxy i don't know i had to like google it and figure it out and i was like <laughs> doing like judo i was like being weird and i remember uh <laughs> and they were like do one without this because i was like sitting here for i don't even know why i was in a mood and uh and i just was like just don't mess up the lines as the camera moves down. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. And it was like that. That's not fun for me. Mm. It's cool to talk about. It's cool. at a, Yeah. Royal pains. Great. Good credit. Still got residuals. Very informative for like, Hey students, like here's what that feels like when cameras swirling around and landing on you. And uh, you know, it's all part of this like backpack of knowledge. Um, but also very familiar with people's anxiety. Like, I get it. 
<laughs> I totally, you were, Lauren, you were telling me you were nervous that they weren't sure about you. I get, I've been there. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been there. Yes. And you just eat it. You just like soldier through it, right? Yes. Everything you're yeah. saying right now, like is a hundred percent relatable. Yeah. For me, like not only was it the first time being on set again during the pandemic, but it had been a long, long time since I'd been on any kind of like sitcom set. So everything you're saying, I think applies to all actors. There's this kind of like people talk about auditions and they talk about callbacks, but they don't really talk about nobody talks about what actually happens when you're on set. Um, and like, I heard you talk about this before in class and on another podcast, like you do all this work and all of this, you know, preparation, and then you get there and everything feels very easy because you're like, everything's been done, like costume, hair, there's beautiful set and props. And then like, nobody's telling you like, yay, awesome job. Like, try this. It's like, okay, great. Like just sit in your chair like hit your mark, say your line, do it faster and uh, wait around for a long time. And then the very end of the day, we'll get your shots after we get everybody else's shots. And so where's the feedback? There's no feedback, Alyssa, going about, there's no feeling of nailed it. Like there's just go, like you're done now. Yes. Thank you. So how do you ever right. know that it's working? And then you watch it and you're like, oh, I don't like that they use that take. Like there's, <laughs> there's rarely you know, not a handholding thing, but rarely this feeling of like, it's moving forward. Yeah. I, I think, uh, in the way I feel with coaching is I, literally, I spend so much time thinking about the thing I want to do next, writing a book, adding another studio, adding another room for taping for this kind of tape. Like it's endless. And I could never say that with coaching. I could, I could hope, you know, like I'm going to be on set next week after these 10 auditions I had, but I couldn't guarantee that being good at it meant like directly resulted in that. Yeah. And I'm much more of a numbers guy, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not so like, it's all good. I'm going to just share my art all the time. I was like, what do I, what do I got to do guys? Like what, <laughs> tell me the things and I'll do it and then I'll be on set with you. And that's not how it is. Right. Right. Obviously. Yeah. I love that that 15 years though of that successful career is part of your story and something that yeah. has actually inspired me too as an artist who has a lot of kind of past work behind me like you've inspired me to just say yeah this is part of my story like own it and then also yeah. do all the other things that you love to do and follow those passions and keep working I mean that's what I'm saying like that was a chapter and yeah. another chapter directed some films that was so fun maybe I'll go back to that maybe I'll direct TV episodic television and shadow someone and, you know, and then coaching and then working on like in writing, like there are so many avenues. And I always tell actors, don't limit yourself to just the mercy of breakdowns. Like, mm -hmm. cause you will literally like make yourself crazy. You, you're just, it's so like limited this, this side, but if you open it and sort of say, maybe I'll write for something like, God, I've seen so many actors that I, met in LA who have turned corners and pivoted and become extremely successful at something next to acting because they opened that door. And, you know, it took me later to do that, but mm. man, best thing ever. Like hands down, all these casting people I met back in the day as a nervous actor are now recommending me as a coach on set. And, you know, it's like, just don't burn any bridges. Just be cool. Yes. You know, so like be the hardest working actor in the room and be the nicest guy in the room or girl because everyone works somewhere else. Everybody remembers. Yeah. 
you know, like everyone has bad auditions and you got to be cool about it and just shake it off and then step up again to the plate because that's what you've signed up for. Totally. You know, someone else will have more fun than you at it. So like just decide that it's fun or get out. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's what's the point of doing it if it's if it's not making you happy and bringing you joy? You have to, you have you have to find what that is. I've had a lot of conversations with people lately where I see them not having joy doing this. Whether it's uh, you know, a parent might be like encouraged. I don't know, but it's very hard to do what I'm good at if someone is not wanting to do that like you know I can bring it when someone else wants to when you and I work together you want the same thing I want the same thing we go I do what I'm good at you do what you're good at agent gets you appointment expects that you'll do your job I do my job like it all is rising but when you're trying to pull someone up it's very difficult very difficult maybe you get one good take out of an hour as opposed to 30 good takes you know right yeah right right so I think it's really amazing that you were able to identify things in your life that you enjoyed, that you may want to pursue, and that, yeah, you had this amazing career that now informs your coaching career, and it sort of started off in this very small way in Starbucks and now has grown into this incredible, um, huge studio that is, of course, now virtual because of the pandemic, but you have that amazing space in Midtown. Um, And I think that what what you were just talking about, like when it's not fun anymore, when people don't enjoy it anymore, I think for some people, it can be really hard to do what you did and identify like, oh, this whole career isn't making me happy anymore. Like, because a lot of times I think, you know, we all know that it's not glamorous and that it's a lot of hard work and it's so, it can be so disheartening. And so I think that for some people, it can be really hard to determine, like, am I just, you know, feeling disheartened because I haven't booked in a while or because, you know, I haven't been on a set in a while or I don't really like the last thing that I worked on and I just really am looking for something to work on that is fulfilling and enjoyable or is this no longer for me? And we get also our identities are so tied up into being actors, I think, like, it's really hard for people to think of themselves as doing anything other than being an actor. So um, I think it's really great that that's something that you recognize in yourself because, well, for you, it enabled you to have this incredible other career. And we haven't even like touched the surface. I want to ask about your book and everything else you're doing. But um, (laughs) I also think it's great that you can now recognize that in your clients and you can say, and you can see when like you, it's too much work for you to have, I think like the work for you is what you were saying before. Like you do the thing you do well, the actor does the thing they do well, and you're going to get the best take. But where your work sort of ends is if the person no longer wants this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am at a place now um, where I want to work with professionals who want to be there. And I am in a, a a position of being able to say, I don't think you are enjoying this. We don't need to work. Like I don't need everyone to come and, and me desperately convince them. I can decide, you know, who I want to work with, how I want to spend my day and, and who, who's going to be in my class. That's why I audition people every month for all the classes I'm carefully curating. Um, 
talent and personality because I've been in a lot of classes in my time as an actor and as a coach where toxic environments don't help anybody. Mm. And if I'm choosing to do this, it's something I love immensely. I can't spend several hours a week with someone who doesn't want to be there, feels better than, you know, and there's no feeling of like, I know more than anybody. There's no feeling of, well, I, I know what casting directors think. We don't play that card. I play the card of, I think you can do better. And I think it would mean doing this, this, and this. And so that you can go out there and present yourself to casting in a professional way. Um, you know, I just never said I'm going to be an actor for life. I liked it enough. People said you should do it. I was lucky to get representation and jobs. And I always admired actors who come to my studio and they are going to do this for life. But here's what I say. There's, and I did write about this in the book. You know, there's, I want to act no matter what. I will do it in my living room. I'll do it community theater, anywhere for free student films. And then there's actors who like want to do it on a competitive level and get paid and be in the union and be full of rejection most of the time. That's your decision. Like you, you can't get mad if you've decided that you want to participate in like the Olympics, if you want to call it that. And it's not working out. Like if you just want to act and get that out of your system, it doesn't have to be like that. If you enjoy that, the the sort of like, I might get this gig. I, I like doing these self-tapes so much. Like I've done so many, no one's called me back, but I don't care. Then that's great. And especially if you have the financial freedom to do that, yes. kids, parents, whatever. But if it's just stressful and you're not really acting outside of auditioning and not getting jobs and just getting mad, what are you doing? Like, so and this pandemic, which forced everyone to stop, people who maybe already weren't working and questioning it, then they just can't work. There isn't even an option for a little while. It either makes you run or it bounces you back up and makes you like twice as inspired. You're like, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to write my own stuff that people need content now. Um, I'm going to recalibrate. Like it, it tends to separate people. Um, and I, adm I adm admire it, the tenacity so much. I just, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't something I was like, I'm going to be 60 doing. I just didn't say that to myself. I, you know, people tell you, oh, you should do this. And you meet these drama teachers throughout the years through high school, college, uh, junior year abroad. And then you get an agent. And you're like, oh, I guess I should just keep doing this. There isn't really time to do other stuff. This is kind of cool. Uh, train for it, you know, but it's okay to pivot. And look, sometimes it's a life event. You know, I, I lost my dad unexpectedly, like when I was 30, like, like literally didn't wake up. And that's kind of, I didn't mention that, but that's a huge part of like, what am I doing with my time? And uh, why am I so anxious if life is bigger than that? And so that was not the so like solely responsible for it, but a huge, huge wake up call. Uh, and so I think when you mix all this stuff together and you find something you enjoy doing and you say to yourself, I want to enjoy what I do. And I, and I said to my wife, I say it all the time, if I ever come home and like, look like I don't like what I'm doing, you got to tell me because I really do like coaching and teaching and just tell me because I don't want to be that person that's like not enjoying it and so clear they don't enjoy it because I when I see that in actors I never want to be that as a coach so fiercely aware of where that line is um and again I, I am more and more motivated every day by by what we're doing um at the studio and what the business is becoming and uh this whole time sorry a lot of tangents guys this whole time since I started this studio has been on camera and to watch what's happened in that world, that industry, through the 10 years now I've been doing it, um, 
has been amazing and it's shifted a lot. And like this whole time we've just stayed up here, we haven't pivoted to start doing like, except for the fact we're doing online, but it's still on camera training. It's still looking at a screen. There's never been a need of, oh, we got to stop doing those movement classes now because we can't or those dance classes. It's just, we're here. And, and because there's not a lot of theater right now and that's coming back, but people who have agents who have done theater and Broadway and everything are now saying to those agents, I want to do TV and film. And they're like, well, you better go train because we're ready to push, push you into those rooms, hopefully. And I don't want anyone saying you're a musical theater actor. Mm. I want you being ready and understanding it. So long story short, I really like helping people do that because I was that. I was theater guy who went to on camera and they said, stop making it so precious, throw it away. And I was like, okay, noted. And when they say that to you 50 times, when you're coming off your Shakespeare senior year of college, you're like, okay, I get it. Stop overacting. I get it. And that's the thing we like to, you know, get right to, uh, you know, in our classes, because we're all trying to push over a computer screen. We're all trying to reach through that computer and get someone to like what's going on. And it just makes people do too much. Um, yes. So, uh, there's a long answer for your podcast, Alyssa. <laughs> so many tangents. It's great. That's all so amazing. I'll plan next time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Like so much. That's so funny about like the the theater kid, like going from doing Shakespeare to auditioning for TV and film, like and saying throw it away. For me, that just resonated so hard from coming from multicam sitcoms to coming to New York and like auditioning for like Blue Bloods uh, and Law and Order. It was like the exact, just like the exact same thing where they were like, why are you pitching to like a studio audience right now? Like chill the fuck out. Just like like, do nothing. Take your four years of training and come in this room and do nothing as if you're a real person. You're like, I don't understand. Yeah. that's really hard to grasp. It's like then yeah. you're trying to throw 20 emotions into one line and they're like, please don't do that. That's not what we need here. Yes. Like know your role, know your lane, you know? Yes. And I think what's so cool is like this new virtual world somehow beautifully for me blends a little bit of theater with a little bit of yeah. on-camera acting because like being able to use your own environment is so cool. Yeah. I like when we do that. Yeah. yeah, me too. You can never do that when you go into a casting office. Like you can't lie down on your bed to shoot something or you can't like use, you know. That's right. I remember when you did that. Oh my God. That was nuts. It was so I remember fun. that too. Well, <laughs> well it's just the, the coolest thing is to say to someone like you have your own space. Do this like you're on set, like the phone call from Scream or whatever, like move around your space. The camera's wide, wide angle lens for all webcams. Mm-hmm. It's picking up way more than a regular phone uh, camera would in an audition. Go, you know, and it auto focuses too. So I could do a whole scene. I could go back, I go up those stairs, back down and continue the scene with these earbuds and see people in their natural in like natural habitat the make the way the scene is meant to be yes but the problem is when someone's self-taping and they're in their little radius and there's action in the scene and there's a kiss or something they don't know and it makes them flustered and distracted and it looks really awkward and so when you give people permission to actually do it like it's on set here and there you're like oh that was so easy and real and then you're like i know why are you making it different when you go to your self-tape it's because you haven't thought through it like that you haven't seen the image in your mind of what it needs to be and any filmmaker caster on the other side of this will just want people to stop trying so hard like they want people to come in and go this 
this is what close to me and this is what I think. Yes. And uh, cool. If, you know, I know you got to see a lot of people today, but let me know. And look, this is what this, this kid who's testing for this big show is going through. I, I'm trying to keep him at this level of like, out of your hands, man. Like they're testing. The, the weird thing now is they're screen testing through Zoom taping. They're taking a tape from a Zoom audition and showing that same tape to studio and network. It used to be, Lauren, me and you back in the day, yeah. you walk into a theater. That's right. And there's 30 executives there and you've signed a contract and you're outside with the other dudes yeah. waiting to go in, freaking out. This is, hey, we're going to take like this conversation you and I are having and we're going to tape it and show it to people and see if right. it's the right fit. Crazy. That's crazy. crazy. Cra- yeah. It's good though. It's good because it helps you with your nerves. That's right. That's right. You're like, I can't do anything. I can't mess it up anymore. Like, yeah. it's done. That's um, right. Totally out of your hands. Off to, yeah. the, to the virtual world. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I just have to ask you, maybe this is sort of unfair, but like you're here. So, and I bet, and I bet that other people will relate. So what would you recommend then for people who may have been in class for a while, may have done like a couple student films or indie films who are really looking to break into the network TV scene or like, you know, I guess movie, like big time movies, um, not, just things that are in the sort of um, festival circuit. I don't already don't like how I said that, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I and, know what you mean. I know. Um, yeah. And like they're looking to kind of level up, but they've mostly worked in theater or they haven't worked that much at all. Like what would you recommend from an industry standpoint that people should do to sort of break in? Maybe they don't have connections. Maybe they don't have rep. So well, the ultimate goal, it, it, what you're saying, is to like speak in a in a union, like a TV show or a film, right? Exactly. Like a Marvel yeah. film's coming to town. There's one line like that. You're saying that's what they want. Yes, exactly. The first question is, what do you want? Do you want to do guest stars? Do you, you know, what do you are you a film person? You have that discussion. If it's just to have a like a line on a show, if you're like, I'm ready for co-stars. Yeah. You know, you've got to this is such like, this is why I like wrote books about like, this is such a weird thing because what you need is someone who can, who understands that, who needs you and can get you there. Like, so like, it's not just get an agent there for, like, I know people who've gotten agents and then haven't heard from them. It's, you need obviously the people who have the access. The only people who have access are managers and agents who are verified by, uh, the guy Gary at breakdowns, right? Like who, who can look at the breakdowns every day and submit you Alt- alternatively, someone who knows you, right? Casting director, who's your neighbor is like, Oh my God, I got a great part for you, Alyssa. You got it. You got to I'm going to get you in for this. And that's like the side door. I just watched <laughs> operation varsity blues, which is all about the side door, people paying for college through the Rick Singer guy. I don't know if you heard about this. Remember Lori Laughlin and all that? Oh, oh, I'll send you a link. Oh, side gosh. door. It's the side door where you've spent a lot of money to get your kid in the cot. So this is a little <laughs> bit, you know, look, people, uh, people get in front of casting people, uh, you know, by you can pay to get in front of them. And maybe that works after a while. Um, there's always a story of that working for someone, but I don't think that's the way that sustains. And so what you have to do is take a list of every agent in your market and be open to other markets and local hires or whatever. Um, and saying, are any of these right for me where I'm at? And the thing is, every actor says, I'm going to go with a small agent. That'll be easier. 
It's not. Those small agents need to pay their rent. And a lot of them have folded since this pandemic. So it's not just smaller agent equals they will take me and they'd be lucky to have me. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what do I have that people uh, need on a competitive level? Is it a look? Is it a, a trend? Uh, is it something you see in a lot of shows, a type? Is it a detective that's on all the procedurals? Is it anything, really anything? Like, But something that's not just, I'm going to show up on time and I think I'm pretty good at this. Because if I was an agent, that just doesn't do anything. That, that's like you and everybody. I would want to know not just that you did Shakespeare this summer. I mean, that's good to know. It's good that you care about the craft. I kind of want to know, like, what I would do is I'd say, here's a two-page scene. Send me a self-tape um, by tomorrow morning. And I just want to know how well you do that. But that's after you've gotten that meeting. You're saying, Alyssa, before that meeting, you're done with non-union world. You've maxed out on the free stuff. You've got to look at your resume and say, is this ready and competitive enough to go to the next level? And I don't believe it's, here's all the casting people I know. I don't believe that that's a real thing that gets people where they, it's, it, they think it is, but it's not. And you've got to think, how am I competitive with all these people I'm seeing on TV, all these other actors that maybe even look like me? It's usually a, a very direct question I will ask to someone who's, who's asking me that question. I'll say, why you? And they'll say, well, you know, I'm ready. I'm done with that. Then that doesn't mean everyone else is ready for you now. It's it's sort of like, what do you have that's your thing that someone can grab onto? Maybe it's as simple as Alyssa, you saying, hey, I did this little film and like it went to South by Southwest and kind of got some attention. This happened to another one of uh, my students recently. And like, that's a thing. That's a thing in the cover letter. That's a cool thing to talk about. An agent could say that to Kim Misha. Hey, Alyssa just got his film. It's getting all these attention, but that's a hard job to get that goes to that festival. And like, mm -hmm. that's a roundabout way. Uh, you know, the other thing is you're someone who has um, a, a YouTube channel based on uh, characters you do or love. Like that's more stand-up comics that I work with that has a lot of attention around it. And they're using that to parlay their stand-up agent into the TV and film division. Just had this conversation the other day. Very talented actor, wants more TV and film auditions, trying to get that very secure meeting because he's already making money as a stand-up comic. So Alyssa, I don't really know if this answers the big holy grail question that is like the chapter, a chapter in both of my books because it is that thing of how do I get an agent without spending thousands going through the side door trying to get people interested all the time mm -hmm. like it, it's tricky and i don't know how much longer that will be an option so the mainstream way that i did it that my sister did it her husband was you put work out there you invite everyone to come see it even the low level assistant over at fox casting whatever they tell someone else i saw this person in this play you should work with them. Hey, I want to make a call for you. I'm going to call this manager for you. I mean, this is how it happened for me. You know, I was freelancing with a small agent and temping all day. And I got an audition for a movie that I was an indie film. Like, you know, what you would say is an indie film, but it was with a real casting office. And I barely looked at it. But I was so busy that I like temping that I was like, not thinking about it. And I went in and I guess kind of killed it. And I guess that 
almost happened. And then because of that, casting director said, you should meet this manager, Lee Daniels. Mm -hmm. And Lee Daniels said, you shouldn't work with those small agents. You should work with this agent. I'm going to get you a meeting. And then suddenly that. And then suddenly my dreams of doing Shakespeare in New York turned into LA six months after graduating, screen testing for shows and get like, cool. it was just a mind bend. And um, I was like, I got to figure out how to work on camera. I got to take a class somewhere. I got to learn from somebody. So it was, I was trying to plan and it didn't work. It went the other way. Right. So, and then I was trying to force that and then it didn't work. So now I'm here. And like, and this is the thing that's been a huge, awesome, wonderful chapter. So, uh, not to pull that back to me, Alyssa, but to your question, you know, get a bunch of actors without agents together and ask them point blank. Why, why do you think you need someone working so hard for free right now to get you in for one line on blue bloods? If they're getting a thousand submissions for that, like, why, why are they going to take you and say, you deserve that? And that's a, I don't know if there's an answer all the time with people. I think it's trust. I think it's like just showing that you're going to do the work and, and that you are taking care of your side of things, which is your real, your self-taping skills, your talent, your mindset, um, keeping your demons at bay and being ready because you don't know, like Lauren, you didn't know you were going to be on set again. Like you didn't know when you were hoping, No. but you expected maybe it might be a couple more years. Yeah, and that's hard to expect. And then you got it, and you're like, "Oh my God, is it going to get cut?" Like, there's always that <laughs> whole thing, oh, yeah. uh, which happened to you know another student in class. Um, and you're just ready for it. Like you have been ready, and it happened, right? Yeah. So, like Alyssa, what I would say is like, you don't know. You might send an email tomorrow through someone in class. They said, "Oh, you should email my agent." Oh, I'm taking class with so and so, and they said to reach out to you. That person might be like, that might have been the perfect time to email. And just let someone go just like you and a referral goes far and then they suddenly take you on they're like hey i know we're just starting this but i happen to get you an audition for american horror story tomorrow send this tape to me in two hours and you do it and you get it and then suddenly it, it it's sort of and i see this happen a lot suddenly you're just there now you're in the mix yeah and it might be two years before you get another one of those but at least you've you were ready and so it's when people aren't ready that they're suddenly panicking and you know, uh, I'm getting a middle of the night email about coaching or something like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like, and it's like, luckily that's what I do for a living. I can make that happen. But I worry, I always say this in class that if the person gets it, they won't know what to do on that set when they have to do it 10 or 15 or 40 times, Lauren, like you said it, they've never learned how to do that. They've only done theater. They've only done a rehearsal process where, and then you work in sequence. So there's a real shock when someone steps on a set. Um, and they see how things are actually filmed and all the waiting and the intensity and the, you know, the environment. And that's the thing sometimes that I get hired on the back end as a coach to coach on the set itself to make sure that that's okay. Right. Right. But yeah. There's a lot of protection in place is what I'm saying. Like people, if you're the right person, they will make it work. They yeah. will take you on. They will hire you on a job and hire a coach if necessary. Like they will a hundred percent make it work. Yeah. Something that strikes me while you're talking too, it's like not only protection from those other people, but also how to develop self-protection and like to keep your confidence just like throughout all of that roller coaster. Um, And that's such a hard thing to learn. Like, I think we often look to those, you know, agents or casting directors to feel supported, 
but it's the much harder job of being like, okay, even if I don't have an audition or another job for like a month, a year, two years, like how do you make sure that you still feel good about what you're doing? Um, and that's something I always appreciate about your class too. It's, it's that confidence building of being like, yeah, I just killed this crazy, I don't know, American horror scene in Nat's class. Or, or you bombed it and you got better because of it. And that's right. important too. Like, otherwise yes. it's just high fives um, all the time. And, and that's not fun at all. Totally. Totally. You know? Yeah. Like we've seen people show up really unprepared and then try to soldier through it. And, and it's like, that's on you. Like, that's your problem. Like, because, and that's a thing we've all dealt with, like lack of time. But that's not any different than anything that happens on a day-to-day in this business, which is like turnaround time, very fast, go. Mm-hmm. So no excuses, because someone else is going to be fine with it. Totally. So to me, it's like, you're, you're saying, I want to be part of this. Count me in. I'm taking this class to get ready for it. I have an agent, but now I'm mad that you didn't give me enough time. Crazy. You would never say that if you got like, Alyssa, if you got a blue blood guest star nine pages uh, for do tonight, you wouldn't go, oh, I can't. You would just go, you would say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know what? What? Yeah. You have to. That happened to me the other night, not for blue blood. (laughs) But I got got an audition that was at five o'clock in the evening. That was due at five o'clock the next day. And I had no time the next day. So I had to do it. And I submitted it at like 11 o'clock on Thursday night. Um, And I was just so grateful to get an audition for the first time in forever. But you're right. Like there was that moment of like, seriously do tomorrow and this is this timing doesn't work for me but like no i've i've been preparing for this i was ready for it i mean that's great yeah (laughs) and also you sending it in early is everything everything (laughs) so if you not only if you can do it fast but do it well and send it in early you're even better than everyone else because they're already making decisions true like if I was the director of that and I, I was the one putting out that breakdown and telling my cast director I need these tapes tonight and you like had to panic and send it in and it was good and you knew it was good, I'm already flagging you if you're right for it. I'm already like she's the one to be. Like Lauren, we've done this in class. That she's the one to be, those castings we oh, do. Yeah. Like, and then someone might swoop in before the deadline at five tomorrow. But honestly, at that point, I've probably already sent out an offer. Like, yeah. So all these people who push it up against the deadline because they can't do otherwise – you're, you're kind of like risking it, you know, because there also isn't time to do a readjustment if they want, if they like Lauren, but Lauren like didn't have time. There isn't time anymore. Say Lauren can do it again. They really want someone like a little more like this. So, but it's a fine line because you don't want to put bad work out there either. So it's just getting your prep time down to an hour, no matter what, an hour today, an hour tomorrow, like it's an hour. It's all I need. Yeah. And I can yeah. feel good about it. Send it. I know how to edit fast. I know how to do it all. Send it. No complaints, no excuses. Yeah, I I really appreciate that and and everything you said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for all that. And and I just have to comment on your integrity. Also, I think that it's really admirable that you are being so generous with all of your experience. But I, I think that's so amazing, and it, it says so much about you and and about the studio. And it's it's been so cool to hear everything and your whole story. It's really impressive. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, 
please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.